Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hey, everybody. Nathan, how's everybody doing? I'm doing good. I, I would like everyone to note that I waited until Jason introduced us to speak. Ed just jumped in and interrupted. Oh, was that offensive to you? It was offensive to me. Was it really? It was wow. very offensive. Dang, he's all me. over you already. I just want to say, We're I like was 20 seconds in. I was personally affected. So Now, I was going to uh, bust you, Nathan, oh, just uh-oh. a little bit. Uh-oh. because Thank at, you, Jason. At time of, uh, at the date of filming this, uh, your little prediction two weeks ago has not panned out so well. Not, not yet, but we still got it. I said Hawks and Six, mm. and... I did say Hawks and Six. Did you? Yeah, I'm pretty did. sure I did. 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 Hawks and Six. So we so still got a chance. We, got we just got to win the next three games in a row. <laughs> so basically. With, with, with Trey Hurt, And potentially so. without Trey. And by yeah. the time they watch this, everybody will already They'll know already what know happened. They'll already know what happened. And, and probably over. who's the NBA champion at that point. Mm, about this point? This is uh, this is this is the fourteenth of July. Maybe, possibly, Maybe. Yeah. Possibly, possibly they will know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And I'll just go as it ain't going to be the Hawks. I don't think it's going to be the Hawks. It's going to be the Suns. I, I, I agree. Well, with that. I don't know, man. The Clippers now they're starting to. I would have said before if you had if you had paid me at the beginning of the season to bet that Paul George could take any team anywhere, I would have said absolutely not. But he has proven me wrong and. Patrick Beverly apparently is going to uh, uh, hit somebody on the court. So that <laughs> happened in the last game. So we'll see if that happens in the next one. But anyway, whoever Clippers, comes out of the West is yes. Yeah, yeah, so oh, I definitely think shot. that. I they think whoever's really coming out of the shot. West is going to have the best shot. But yeah, yeah. we'll see. So. so, all right. So your your prediction is not dead in the water. Just no, but very very close on to life dead. support on life support. And I'll say this: I know that Atlanta is such an NBA town that people are loving how much we talk about the NBA. People love yes. the NBA here. We're such supporters I of will the say this. I do know Atlanta's front-runner town, so oh, yeah. <laughs> as long as that the Hawks true. are winning, I have had people they're going to become more of an NBA town. I've been around here a long time yes. and remember when everybody was a Braves fan, and then when we won 14 years in a row but did not win the World Series, yeah. there are only a handful of us, even though we were still winning all the time. Yes. Well, as a diehard Braves fan, one of the reasons reasons I keep talking about the Hawks is so I don't have to talk about the Hawks. <laughs> there you go. Because yes. I, I get depressed these it's days. It's a little hard. It's, it's a little tough. difficult right it's now. It's tough. Yeah. That's just the, that's the way Atlanta goes. They break well, our hearts often. But I'm, I'll say this. I am not heart, heartbroken about the Hawks. I know a lot of people oh, are. Oh, they overachieved. Yo, they did so well. Yeah. And we were only ex- we weren't expected to make the playoffs. We definitely weren't expected to make it to the second or the third round. That's right. We've done so good. That's right. And uh, I'm excited for next year. So, yes. so Next we'll year they can break your heart. Yeah, next year will be a heartbreaking <laughs> season. Because yes. I, predict, I predict we will be highly favored going into yes. next year because yeah. I'm sure we'll pick up somebody else who will and we'll have this whole narrative of all oh, the Hawks are coming in and then they're going to break they're my heart. Break then. your heart, just but. like the Braves were doing this year. Yeah, that's right. We, this was supposed to be the Braves we're, year, and we're all series or nothing. Yeah, and we're not halfway nothing. done, but I'm just I, I'm not getting good vibes. It's always when you give yourself championship or nothing. Uh, the chances of getting nothing That's very it, narrow. It's yes. very very narrow. One yeah, it's t- not even one 50, 50 at that no, point. No. One team gets the other. That's yes, right. <laughs> and it ain't us. Okay, uh, skipping headlines today because we got two questions that I think are going to take us a little while. Oh wow! So uh, Jason highly favors these questions today. I don't know about that. <laughs> other questions he'll look at and say no. Nah. I just think it's going to take some time. Okay. There's some nuance in some of this stuff. I don't know. Well, you know, I don't know if y'all can feel this in podcast land 
Nathan has his back up like a cat, you know, he doesn't want you to I'm touch it. Up. There's, a little, there's a little bit. I'm arched up. Everything, he's all hunched up like, what's going on? I'm just like, don't touch me. I, it interrupted me. Jason's highly favorite. You know, yeah, everything. I'm just he's saying, a, Jason's a little sensitive. He's a little sensitive. Everyone knows up. how sensitive I am. That's oh. what is very known about me. They say, Nathan, he's so sensitive. He cares about so many people and so many, so, so deeply, so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That is, that's true. First question. How can I effectively minister to a close and immediate family member who proclaims they're an atheist? I pray for them all the time, but I feel convicted for not doing more to actually speak to them about Christ. I love this person so much, and I want them to know all the goodness of Jesus, but I am so afraid of saying the wrong thing and hurting our relationship, or worse, turning them off to Jesus entirely. There is a lot of nuance there. There's a lot there. There's a lot going on. And um, I'm proud of this person. Yeah, I'll say that. Just the heart I I see behind that question, this is is somebody who cares a whole lot. So that right there, you got something going for you already. I think however, you know, you wind up approaching your family member, I I think if you keep that attitude, um, you'll do better than you probably think you're doing. Y'all got any specifics that uh, you want to share about the question? I, you know, I, I guess the first thing, if, if I was sitting in my office and that's where they started, my immediate response to that was you're, you're putting a, a whole lot of pressure on yourself that mm. you probably, mm-hmm. you and the other person would be better off yes. if you would, you know, back a little bit off on it feels like the amount of pressure you have of I have to do something Hmm. and you know I'm afraid I'm not doing enough and I might do the wrong thing that will ultimately make them (laughs) hate Jesus and those kind of things I I think probably you just need to back off the pressure a little bit and Mm -hmm. understand that all of that stuff whatever you want for this person God wants more Mm -hmm. Uh, he is already at work on that whether they see it or not or you see it or not Mm. And uh, what you should always be looking for is how do I cooperate with what he's doing? Yeah. How, how am I, how can I cooperate with what's happening and mm-hmm. not try to go in and force something so you can make something happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I would, I would say too, I can tell in the way that you've asked the question, you care a whole lot about helping this person come to know Jesus and essentially, you know, believe what you believe. Um, and that's good. Nothing wrong with that. But what love would require of you in your relationship with this person, I believe, is to be just as curious about where they are yes. as you are about them coming to be where you are. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell people, um, I don't think you can ever go wrong with asking more questions than you give answers. Yeah. Um, because I think if, if you will enter into, because it's really all about relationship. If you enter into a, a relationship of, I want to know you, I want to be a part of your life. And if that's a part of where you are right now, then help me understand it. I want to know more about it. How did you come to that uh, feeling? Is is it, you know, is it something that's just recently happened or right. did you develop this over time? I want to know your story. I want to enter into it. I think if that's your uh, main focus, I, I think what you're doing is you are building a relationship that might, not guaranteed, but might 
wind up giving you influence in that person's life, or it might in turn cause them to be a little more curious about your side of things. Mm -hmm. And then now we've got a dialogue going and we're two people learning from each other. And for you, and I would say, you know, meet someone like us who are believers in Jesus, I, I firmly believe that the truth wins out. Yeah. And the truth, I, I feel comfortable. I don't have to defend anything because I think when we get into defense of the faith, it comes off as desperation, and I've got to, I've got to recapture something that you're taking away, or you're, you're, you're hurting. You're, the truth is going to hurt, yeah. get hurt if I don't hold tight to it. As soon as you move into that territory, it, it just, it just, you're not going to get what you ultimately want. It's going to mm-hmm. actually do the opposite. So be comfortable in the truth. Um, be confident in the truth. So that gives you the opportunity to explore, you know, this person and what they believe Mm -hmm. and just have a dialogue. Mm -hmm. I I think that's the best thing you can do when those opportunities uh, present themselves. I don't think, like Ed said, I don't think you need to wrangle that and shoehorn yourself into that kind of thing and and put a lot of pressure on them to make that happen. I think you just build a relationship and let God and the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit do the rest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what both of you guys have said so far. I think, I think the number one thing to keep in mind with any person that you care and you love about, that you love, is that it's not your job to fix them, mm-hmm. to change them, yep. to save them. Um, you can't. I, we I, we were having this conversation uh, the past Sunday with, with in our in our huddle for one of my teams, and I said, anytime you get yourself to a place where you feel like it's my job to change somebody, my job to fix somebody, my job to save somebody, you are effectively saying Jesus didn't really need to die on the cross because I could have taken care of it myself. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the only one who can fix our problems. Jesus is the only one who can change us. And so my job is to be a faithful witness to what Jesus has done, um, what Jesus has done in my life, what Jesus has done in history, all of that. And I think a big key part, so all that goes to all the things Jason was just talking about of asking questions that mm-hmm. it's not my job to preach a sermon. It's not my job that I ask questions about you because I love you. I want to know about you. I want to know those things. If you ever want to ask questions, then I can just be a witness. Well, here's what Jesus did for me. Yep. Here's what I know Jesus did in history. You can have those, but even there, um, it's not our job to get them to agree. Uh, the other part of it that I think is just absolutely key is for for many people, I don't know whether it's most or not, for many people, a lack of faith is not coming from a lack of knowledge. Mm. Um, and we have to hold that. We, we really live... Um, in a world that has been dominated by it. When I was in business school, there was this term in economics that is uh, rational self-interest, that human beings are ra- act in rational self-interest. Um, and Which I have... Almost every economist has now come yes. to realize, no, we don't. Correct. <laughs> that we don't even, we often, and it's not just we rationalize our behavior. There are things we know going into it, this is bad for me. I'm still going to do it. Uh, this is not going to help my body. This is not going to help my family. This is not going to help. In fact, I know probably at this point you've already preached the sermon, but I know you got a sermon coming up of knowledge isn't enough, yes, right? Sir. Belief is, if you just, you know, there are things you should be doing and you don't do them. Yeah. What I have found is most people are more formed by their affections, uh, what they love, what they care about, what they value. And it may be very possible um, that 
well, I shouldn't say it's possible. It, you can't change what somebody loves, what somebody values. They have to choose that. It's a, it's a work between what God does and what they do. What you can do is you can offer, once again, your witness of what Jesus has done. And it may be possible that there are people in your life who don't want what Jesus has done. And don't want. I mean, we talked about that a few, uh, almost a month ago at this point, about uh, when we talked about heaven, that, that it is very possible that there are people who they don't want life with God. They don't want heaven. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. That should always cause us grief. That should always cause us to mourn. But as Ed said, it does relieve some of the pressure off me to feel like, well, if I had just said more, or if I had just done more, then I could have made. My guess is you say this, didn't they say it's a family member? Uh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if this is somebody who's close to you, they know that you love Jesus, yeah. or hopefully they know that you love Jesus. By the way you live, by the things you've probably said, you probably have said what they needed to know. They probably have seen what they need to know. There may be some other reason that they have chosen not to. And so, and and you say you do this, my greatest advice, along with asking questions, being curious, relieving the pressure off yourself, prayer prayer is a great way to enter into the work that God is doing. Mm -hmm. God is working on their hearts. God is working working to soften their hearts. Um, But you can't do it, but you can join God in what he's doing. Um, And just hold all of that very loosely. You, You, God can't, if, God could choose, I'm going to enter and override their free will, but because he loves us, he doesn't. So we don't get to either. Yeah. So. And I, and I say, if you, if you were to take that approach to be curious, to enter into their life, what it's going to do for you in your love towards them is actually going to help you to love them better. Because, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what's led this family member to, to move toward atheism, but... They have a good reason that makes sense to them, and it, it it jives with what they've experienced or what they've been through in life. And by you turning around and saying, "Tell me how you came to that," because they have a journey that led them there, just as you had a journey that led you to Jesus. And if you you enter into that story with them, um, find out about what's going on in their heart, and hopefully you probably know if they're that close of a family member. But really finding out what what led them to that place, it's only going to help you love them better because that's that's the way it is with pretty much anybody I've ever been in a relationship with that I disagreed with. The more I got to know their story and how they f- found their way to that position. position that I don't agree with, it gave me more empathy towards mm-hmm. them, which then gave me, uh, it gave me a better platform from which to love them, which then la- leads to, you know, the end goal anyway, which is to love others the way Jesus has loved us. And whether that turns this person's heart toward Jesus or not, it's turned your heart closer to Jesus. And that's all you're responsible for in the end anyway. That's right. Well, it makes you a better witness. Absolutely. Because you actually now have this transformation within you Mm -hmm. where you are more merciful towards people, Mm -hmm. you're more loving towards people, Mm -hmm. um, and it it is the work of God in you that does speak volumes. But once again, it's... It is well within that person's right to see things like gentleness and kindness, speaking the truth in love. I think these kind of Jesus-like qualities, and they may find those things unattractive. True. We often have this picture, and I've even said this. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. I said, you know, I I was always kind of led to believe that 
you know, if you live like Jesus, people are going to be more attracted to you. <laughs> and we often say everyone was attracted to Jesus. Mm, well, no, no right. there were there were people who were humble, and who because of the nature of their life, they were humbled by the by the nature of the world, and they saw Jesus' compassion and love and gentleness, and the fact that he was willing to speak truth to power, and he was willing to speak truth to anybody really. That this was attractive to them, but there were lots of people who killed him. Yes. Well, he, and even people who didn't kill him. I think we ignore the fact, and I don't, I don't know why we do it. I guess because, you know, Christians, we, we love Jesus. We love the story. We believe, you know, that he is the son of God. But we read them when, when he, even after he resurrects, there are only 500 people that yeah. he, he ever, that ever are there for, to, for him to appear to. He spoke to thousands. He fed thousands. He was around thousands. Yeah of even poor and displaced and hurting yeah. people, not everybody wanted what Jesus had to offer. There just were a handful. And of the 500, I always, I, I, I remember teaching this to a group of uh, teenagers. We, you know, we know that there were 500, Paul says, I think, right? Yeah. That, that see Jesus all at once. There was, yeah. He appeared to 500 at once. Um, of that 500, when the apostles go back to Jerusalem, only 120. So there there's 380, you know, not that that's exact math, but <laughs> there's this there's this large group, a majority that saw the resurrected Jesus and go, I'm not going back to Jerusalem like he said. No. And even of that, so this idea that we have of as I get closer to Jesus, people are going to find me more attractive. That may not be true, but as Jason said, the goal for you always was to be more like Jesus, which sure. is a which makes me more loving, mm -hmm. which is a win in and of itself. I may not be able to do anything to change what this person loves and values because there is a way of our world that doesn't value gentleness and others focused. Our our world really is, and so many of us, me, we're. I, I like being self-focused. I don't want to say that, but I like it. I value that. And so it may be possible that when I, when I, when I live like Jesus, there are people who see that and still go, mm -mm, that's not what I want. Yeah. Well, there are always, yeah. there's always more than one way you can interpret any set of facts. So they right. may see all of that. And because we love to judge motives of people, mm -hmm. they may have a whole other set of motives of why you are the way you are that have nothing to do with Jesus you think it's really clear to to them that I am loving and I'm kind and it's all because of Jesus. Great point. But there are all kinds of ways that, because I have had that, where mm -hmm. I'll see a person that I think, man, that person's really, why are they so mad? Why are they so upset at me? And I find out it didn't have nothing to do with me at all. Sure. And I had created a whole scenario in my head. The, the other thing I, I wanted to say on this about the questioning, and this is just out of my experience and it may have, if you're in any way personality like me, which, you know, God help you if you are, <laughs> is when you ask questions and somebody answers, I have finally learned the best thing with contentious issues mm -hmm. is for me to decide before they answer, I will not respond. Yes. Mm -hmm. I will Yep. I have had to do that because my natural inclination is to um, begin to try to show them where their mm -hmm. thinking is wrong, think, yep. show them why I haven't chosen those kind of things. And whether it's politics or it's Jesus, what, whatever the contention is, if I really do want to love the person, the best thing I can do in the moment 
is listen mm -hmm. and not feel like I have to have the last word. And mm -hmm. what I've found is what it does is because I don't argue, mm -hmm. it gives me a chance to have the conversation again. Yeah. But when I argue, both them and me, me and them, neither one of us want to go back in that troubled water again. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when I can... If I can just calm myself and say, hey, I'm going to ask these questions, no matter what they say, mm -hmm. I'm going to go, huh, mm -hmm. okay, all right, well, man, thanks for... Just receive it. Yeah, thanks for telling me that. I can listen. I can, and I may even say, hey, well, you know, I'm going to think about that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think about that. Yeah. And then I go away, I think about it, it gives me the chance to come back and go, hey, you know, I was thinking about what you said. I don't know if you've thought about this, and mm -hmm. it gives me a chance to say some things in a respectful way without it being just, yeah. I would just, particularly with family members. Oh, yeah. If it's politics, if it's something you know is going to be contentious, ask the questions and receive it. Just mm -hmm. receive it. That's, mm -hmm. yeah. that's my advice if you're a person. And I only had one other thought as we were talking here, and this is, I guess, you, this is a pastoral word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just whatever you do, don't give up. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, because all three, all three of us can attest to the fact that there have been people in our orbits throughout the years that we had prayed for and we thought, there's nothing happening. Mm -hmm. That person is completely turned off to the, to Jesus, and that just and, and nothing is going on inside of that person's heart. And we had no idea. Right. And then sometimes years later, oh yeah, something changed, or another person came into their life, or something just happened, and and you know what, change came about, and it was an, a miraculous thing. And we look back and we say, you know, all those prayers and all that. At that time, it it was there was something going on. You have no idea. That's not a. It's going to be that way for every situation. Oh, sure. But for you on your end, you just keep praying, keep loving, and don't ever give up. Go go to your grave if you have to, loving and praying for this person, and you never know what God is going to do. That's so for sure. Stay in it. Stay in it, and don't get discouraged. So. All right. That'd be fun sometime to tell those kinds of stories. I have I have several of those stories. Yeah. Just awesome stories like that. But Maybe. not not on this podcast. Make a note. We'll yeah, that's okay. What if we could have are those people around? Could we no. talk one, to one them? is that I can think of that I could probably talk to, but mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I, I have a great grandpa story hmm. with my grandpa right. and my mom. My yeah. mom was such a faithful prayer. Mm -hmm. I, I am certainly a result of her prayers that mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway. All right. All right. Uh, this question uh, is a follow-up to our conversation, which is a few weeks back when we talked about Father's Day and fatherhood. Ah. So someone has a follow-up question they want us to answer about parenting and fatherhood. All right. So here it is. How do you think the roles of mothers are uniquely different from the role of fathers in a Christian household? Are their roles different, or should they sort of be kind of the same? <laughs> I, 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 my first thought, and I know this is true, and I, I can only speak out of my experience, one, having been in a family uh, where there was a mother and father, and their roles were very, vastly different. But I would say Becky and I, Becky and I, I don't know how anybody, so then I was talking about being mother and dad. Our roles were fairly fluid in mm -hmm. depending on what was required at the time. 
we did not have a predefined dad role, predefined mom role. It just really was where we were in the time. Mm. So, For me, I would say something along those lines that I, I thought of when I read this question for Again, this is back to my experience, the way my wife and I have parented our kids, is I, we really try to lean into giftedness. Yes, that's right. Where she is gifted yeah. and where I'm gifted. And she and I have both had this conversation with one another and said, you know, there are some things that I see you do really well with our kids, and, and I I affirm that in you. Yep, I want you to too. lean into that, and you help strengthen me because I'm not so good at that, and then vice versa. She has said to me, you know, I just struggle with that, but you do so well, and we just affirm one another. So uh, to me, the role of father and mother, God's gifted and wired you up differently, and yeah, I know there's some people that so you know there's the male headship in the household and the you know he's the leader and all that and okay generally speaking that but I've seen it the opposite. Oh yeah. And so I, I you know that's that's a whole other issue with some people and I don't want to get into but I do think it it serves the family well when we operate it serves the body of Christ well when we operate out of our giftedness and what God has wired us up to be and so. I would say lean into that, and I think think that'll be go well with you. Yeah, and we're, I, so. I mean, I, I assumed before I started answering, and uh, I thought, sitting here thinking, if this person asking this is a single mother, my answer would be, unfortunately, because of the nature of where you are, yeah, you're going to have to, yeah. whatever we said about dads mm. and whatever, nor, whatever even your gifting is, all of that role now falls on you. It does. And, I, you know, we we want to help however we can with that, but that's a big big role. To, mm-hmm. Was not originally intended to be played by yeah. one person. Yeah, I've heard uh, psychologists say this that the most powerful role model for any child is the same sex parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done the research on that to see if that, but I have heard someone say that. Who you know, I think they know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I think. For us, you know, we both had girls. Um, you know, I know that my my girls are looking to my wife as you know because they need a model that shows them what does it look like to grow up as a woman and you know all that kind of stuff. And so, my I saw my role. You know, now that they're older, is coming behind my wife and helping her to thrive as much as possible in our home and showing uh, my girls how a woman should be treated Mm -hmm. as best as I could so that they could look at that and say, okay, there's my, there's my model for how I want to to grow up and the model for how I want to see uh, a family built. And I'm hope, you know, I hope that I did a good enough job showing them of, of what kind of man that they want to, you know, attach themselves to should they choose to get married and Mm -hmm. build their own family. Uh, I was hoping that they would see in me uh, the right way to be a husband yeah. and a father and all those kinds of things. So, yeah. yeah, that was another thought I had. Yeah, yeah, I think all the all the same stuff. I mean, I think when I hear this question, uh, I think even the term roles is is difficult for me because it sounds very. Um, it sounds very static and you know you've talked about it being fluid and I think that's it yeah. and I do think giftedness is is a really important scene what you know my wife and I do that a lot but I also think 
there's just necessity that kicks in at some point. And what I mean is your role depends on where you are. It's circumstantial. Yeah. You know, my wife is at home all day with my girls. So there may be things I'm more gifted at, <laughs> but, but necessity's sake, she has, because she You're can't right. be like, let's wait six hours till your dad gets home <laughs> and then right. your dad can, I mean, she could, but we both agreed it's better for her to just deal with it in the moment. Well, and, and you know, you your mom was that way too. Mm-hmm. And then there are also things that once she, I mean, she just needs a break. I mean, I realize Mm -hmm. that when, you know, you have someone that's just home all the time, it doesn't matter whether I'm good at what needs to happen in the next three hours. True. The thing I am good at is giving her a chance to breathe. Yes. (laughs) I think all that's a part of it. And I'd say it's a necessity based on, and when you talk about role, it's necessity based on your kid. That there are things that, I, I grew up in a house of boys. Uh, and so there were ways both my mom and my dad parented me that I don't do, not because I think they were wrong, but because I'm, I'm raising four girls mm-hmm. and it's just different. There mm-hmm. is a different way that there was a, there was a rough houseness that was shorthand in our, in our home yeah. that does work with some of my girls. Some of my girls like it when I come up and I kind of, you know, push on them and wrestle with them and do that thing. But then I've got two girls who will they'll start crying if mm-hmm. it goes too much. But if I wrestle too much with the other ones, they start crying cause I'm not wrestling with them. But then if I go <laughs> and I wrestle with them, they, you know, so it's this whole, and there's a lot, there are things that are very loud in my house and there are times we have to be very quiet. And so all of that to say, yeah. I, I often go into my house trying to take what stereotypically may not be very masculine roles yeah. in the thing. I'm not saying it, whether it is masculine or not, but the kind of things that in my life was more, oh, well, that's kind of more how my mom parented. I take some of those roles occasionally with my daughters because it's what they need and specific to each child, each child. Yeah. So when you talk about roles, I don't know that there's necessarily there's well, not a percentage of they need the this potion from a you know this right. formula from a dad, this formula from a mom and Every kid has to get this exact mixture. It's different for each well, kid. Well, I don't know that everybody will get this thought thing that when you're sitting talking about that. For those of us who know sound sound mixing, <laughs> I think of a graphic equalizer. Right. There's a whole bunch of stuff, and sometimes the fader needs to go up, and sometimes it needs to come down, and it's, yeah. it's just a mixture of all of it to get the right mix you need for that particular moment. And something you said reminded me of this, too, and I, and I want to say this to whoever asked the question, is sometimes when we take that role uh, category too seriously, we put a whole lot of pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. um, that doesn't need to be there. Right. And I'll give you an example. because You mentioned... Uh, you as a dad doing some roles that aren't necessarily stereotypical dad yeah, stuff, culturally masculine, masculine stuff. Yeah, in our house, uh, it's been the way it's been forever. I'm the cook in the house. I do sure. I do the cooking. I I take care of the grocery shopping and all of that stuff. And and I will say this: there's been many many times through the years that my wife, I can I can tell she has been put there's been pressure put on her maybe not intentionally but because of the expectation that we have in our culture of well women do the cooking and they do the shopping and all of that and it has at times made her feel like well maybe I'm not doing my job as a mom am I not the kind of mom that I'm supposed to be and and I've said to her many times no you are you are exactly who God made you to be I'm trying to be who God made me to be and it's we've decided that that's how we operate in our home it's not a right, wrong thing. It's just the way it is. So my 
back to my original point is if you take that role thing too seriously, sometimes it can put that kind of pressure on you and then you start to feel like I'm not doing enough and I'm, I'm failing and then you, you wind up not uh, performing the, the, what you were created by God to be in well, that kid's life anyway. And I'll say, going off that, in our home, in, in a role thing, and this is my mind, so this may not be everyone, but you know, I was always kind of taught, that's why you got a mom and you got a dad. You know, dads are tough and they're kind of get yeah, over it, yeah. keep moving. Don't, you know, I'm not kissing your boo-boo. You know, and I'm, <laughs> saying that's, I'm not saying that in a bad way. What no. I'm saying is that's often been like you need that in your mm-hmm. life and you also need moms who will come in and nurture and do that. Mm-hmm. By the nature of, whether it's giftedness or not, I think it's a necessity. By the nature of my wife being at home with my kids with four girls all day, she often is more of the, oh, nope, let's go. Come on. We don't have, because I can't spend all day sitting, kissing every boo-boo because if you have four little girls, you know, everything's a little boo-boo. So she doesn't, but I have had to learn. I, when we first got all of our girls in one home was very much a stop crying, get over it. And what I realized was because I'm not home as much as my wife, I had to take the tender approach, hmm. let my wife be that, because otherwise all they ever hear from dad is, your problems don't matter, get over it, let's move on. Whereas Jennifer can do a mixture of the two, but I had to take the more, in my mind, sure. feminine role of, let's sit, oh man, that, that really hurts, I can understand. So to that point of whether that's the dad role or the mom role, I, and, and, and we may even have, too much in some people's mind of of a soft side or a whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's this mixture of toughness and softness they need. Every kid needs something different. And so I just, and the way my wife now says a lot to me is she goes, oh, I feel like I'm really in the spirit today. I think it is for, hmm. for parents who are, there's a spirit ledness of it of, you know, even on, even on Father's Day, we gave what I want to call I don't want to call, they weren't rules. They were guidelines. Even yeah. like, even saying like unconditional acceptance, which is right. That has to be spirit led of yeah. you figuring out this is the time. So the guidelines are generally true. And so maybe the gender roles or the parent roles are generally true, but there comes a time where you have to say, Hey, in this moment, I really feel like my kid needs this for me. And this is how I can show God's love to my kid. Yeah. It's funny. I just had a. You reminded me of this. Some uh, a mom came up to me just this past Sunday, and it, she was talking about our Father's Day service that we did. And she said, "You know that Mother's Day thing you did? That was all right. I got a lot out of the Father's Day thing." And she said, "Is that weird?" I was like, "No, it's not weird at all." Yeah, that's right. You know, she she just thought that was surprising. And again, that was that whole thing of boxed into some kind of mm-hmm. role that I'm supposed to play. And I said, "No, absolutely." It, no, I had several several in my age group moms that either told me or I knew from previous conversations, man, they needed to hear that. They were hoping to hear that, you know, whether it was validating something they felt or, or was challenging a little something they felt I knew, uh, of, of moms in my life who needed to hear it too. Because once again, the kind of advice we were trying to give wasn't specific to dads. We did it because the opportunity was for dads. That's right. But well, you know, when you get to my place with all the people I have in my life, what I've learned is even if we give you all the right things and the right roles and all that kind of stuff, the real main thing is you're trying to raise really healthy, well-functioning adults. And if you don't keep that in mind, if you get too short-term of, I want to help my kids succeed in ninth grade, or I want to help my kid be a great baseball player or a great ballerina or whatever. Yeah. When, when they are 25, 
it won't matter that you did everything the way we said to do it mm -hmm. if they aren't if they aren't following Jesus the way you hoped would have mm -hmm. happened. That's right. You, it really does come down to being spirit-led, keeping the goal firmly in mind, constantly be praying that you're doing the right thing, willing to change even though it may offend your parents or some other parent you have. It comes down to, at the end, I have this really big job that the Spirit has allowed me to participate with in forming these human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's my ultimate goal, is to help them come to be where we are a loving unit who loves God. That's yeah. what ultimately, that was yeah. ultimately my goal, was I want to produce a loving unit of people who love God. Mm -hmm. And uh, that required a lot of stuff that a lot of people didn't get. I remember one guy told me, one time about one of my kids who was now 19, he goes, you know, my son says your son lies. And I said, uh, yep. I can absolutely confirm he's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, but it didn't shock me. And mm -hmm. to be honest with you, it, did it bother me? Yeah, it bothered me somewhat, but not so much because not enough to end the relationship or act like I was ashamed that he had yeah. caught my son in a lie. Yeah. You know, I was trying to, I'm trying, to, I had a bigger plan than that moment. Mm -hmm. 19 was not my end goal. Yes. Well, and I think, or that, him to be happy with how I had gotten him to 19. Yeah. I think that even that unit part, that family unit part is so huge because I'd had a similar thought of God really, and I think, you know, when you talk about, um, I don't remember uh, what someone said earlier made me think of this, but I was thinking of those parts where it talks about, you know, even wives submit to your husbands, husband love your wives, that those are all still within the context of this this metaphor of the way the church should operate. And this idea that really what I, what I want is not who my kid receives what from. Mm -hmm. You know, did they get that? Did, is my, are my daughters going to grow up and go, well, that's how my husband should act, and not no, not in what uh, Jason was saying about mm -hmm. treating them with respect and love. That they should get that, they should see that in me. What I mean is, my you know husbands are they whether they cook or not, yeah. whether they do this role or that role. I don't care about that. I remember having a conversation with my mom at one point. Um, because once me and all my brothers were married and she said, sometimes I feel like I didn't prepare y'all well to, to be married, you know, with other women because she goes like my, my mom, I think she'd be open to say that she was not very revelatory with her own emotions. She was, she, I never really saw my mom cry a lot. I never saw my mom open up too much about her own feelings and her own thing. And she said, I often feel like, man, they're not going to know what it's like to have a, a wife. Cause she goes, so many women, that's a pretty common thing for women to want to talk about their emotions and their feelings. Well, in that sense, was I unprepared to be married? Sure. But in the but sense- But everybody is at some level. Right. Yes, that's and exactly right. what I was ultimately prepared for by my mom was the idea of commitment mm -hmm. and loyalty and serving others and loving Jesus and love, you know what I mean? The things that really mattered and did I, did I know how to talk to people about their feelings? Sure. Did I maybe get that directly from my mom? No, but I got it somewhere. And you know what I'm saying? That, that, that this idea of we're a family and what I got most from my parents out of everything is what you just said, that we together love Jesus, we love people, and we love each other, and we're committed to Jesus, and we're committed to each other. And I think long-term, that, that is our goal. And that really is what God put us in families for. It was to be this picture of what the ultimate family, I mean, our real family, the yep. spiritual family, the body of Christ, the family of God, that 
that my love and intimacy and commitment to my family was not the goal. It was the goal was that I end up in the body of Christ. I would be committed to the family of God above all else. And that within my family gave me an earthly representation of what that was. And I love, I, I am just as committed still to my family as I've ever been, but I have my own family and right. I'm a part of the family of God. And there's all of that that's mixed that's right. together. And whether I got the right, the right roles from my mom or from my dad or where they all fit, I don't know that. We know you didn't get the right one from your dad. That, <laughs> that we know for sure. And nobody can I wouldn't it. say that. <laughs> but I will say, I was, what I was going to say is when it talks about talking about your feelings, you talk about your feelings a lot. Uh, yeah, so. I, I was not. A, <laughs> well, I've never been, had a problem letting people know <laughs> what I was feeling. Well, let's yes. be clear. Ed <laughs> doesn't have a problem talking about anything. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes. So. If, if I have a thought about it, we're going to talk about it. Yes, yes, sir. Here it is. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. That's good. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap that one. Wrap it up. That was good stuff. Uh, we have gone over our time. So uh, we'll be back next week. We've got a special guest next yes. week. And uh, you'll find out more about that when you tune in I'm a little next interested week. myself. You are. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to bring back a, a fun headline with, Ooh, with, a, with uh, a little bit of a challenge. A challenge? Well, all right, then. Tune in next week. You'll find out. Bye, I y'all. have to own a bird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ca-ca!